0: Welcome to the Dangling Conversation podcast. Here I am with my friend Jack Campbell. Jack, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm fine. So, Jack, how has this school year, this semester, been for you?
1: It's been interesting. Um, Better than last semester, I guess. Really? Yeah. What
0: was difficult about last semester?
1: Well, last semester, I was in a much cooler place, but... Then all this COVID stuff happened, and now I'm back here and in person classes, and that's all weird. So,
0: where were you? Where were you last semester? Oh, I was in Disney World.
1: I was working in Galaxy's Edge. I was supposed to be there for like eight months, but ended up only there for like two and a half, and that really sucked.
0: So, you, you were on an internship, right?
1: Yeah, I was on an internship for Disney, and I got to work in the parks in different positions, and uh, that was that was really fun. That was quite an experience.
0: So, what was it like, like working for the mouse?
1: Oh, it was different. I mean, <laughs> literally, literally, before I even got there, I had to sign like this waiver contract form and most people when they look at a waiver they don't care to read it mm-hmm. but i was like dude this is a disney waiver i'm curious what's in this yeah there are all kinds of stuff like you actually like the best i can describe it is you just about sell your soul to the company like really they're actually word for word it says any thoughts ideas drawings or writings you have while employed by the disney company belong to the disney company that's so sketchy so i i kept thinking like what if i'm working for disney Mm -hmm. and i draw like a picture of batman what happens then like (laughs) (laughs) it
0: goes under their (laughs) trademark but yeah
1: that was that was one thing that was interesting is getting to know like all the little secrets of the park there's things that right now if you were to ask me a question about even though I'm not technically employed anymore. You
0: can't talk about.
1: I can't talk about. Really? That. Yeah, I mean I could I could be sued. Really? Yeah. There's one guy that ended up with jail time because of stuff he did after employment. And I was like, nah, I'm just like, "No, I'm just going to just going to leave
0: that out there." Yeah. So out of what you can talk about, um like what were your duties? What were you what were you doing in the day-to-day?
1: Um whenever I started, I wanted to be cross-trained in different areas of the, of galaxy's edge because um i knew that you could do that and i wanted to i was trained in oka's cantina and the milk stand originally but i also wanted to work to see if i could work with the rides like rides rise of the resistance and smuggler's run mm-hmm. but uh unfortunately since you're trained in food service you can't do any of the ride stuff but uh... i did get trained with um <laughs> hey luke i did get trained with uh being the character attendants with ray and chewbacca okay so I to walk around with them uh whenever rise of the resistance would go down like the queue line would still be held there like they would pause it no one in and you were able to like we would go through and give them complimentary food and stuff okay and since i was trained in food beverage i was one of the people that had to go in and we would send characters in too, to cheer the people up. So I would walk in with Ray and Chewbacca as opposed to having a character attendant in there, Ray Mm -hmm. in there and a food service person just get the, cause it's crowded. It's a tight little space. Right. So they trained me and a couple other people I worked with to be basically like a makeshift character attendant to go in there with Ray and Chewbacca. And sometimes we would also do it when we were at one of our Coke stands, they would come and like interact with the stands and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm to i don't know for guests and all that and we were able to know what they were saying like with the small signals on what they were trying to tell us to do and stuff like they're literally how they have their hand placement you know you don't think anything of it like but to the guest, employees yeah to yeah the cast members it's a whole thing they there's I don't even know how to explain it, but they're telling us things basically. And sometimes some of the the signals can mean like full on sentences. Like it's not like a one word thing. Really? Full on. This is how you should react to this so that I can continue with this type of dialogue or something like that.
0: Okay. So was there like, were there any interesting stories that like came out about that for you personally?
1: Um, there are a few where the full dialogue ones came into place, but really it's the smaller ones that were more fun with the stormtroopers. Okay. The stormtroopers, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, (laughs) so anyways, they, uh, they came up and approached me once while I was, uh, attending to some guests, some travelers from, uh, for Oka's Cantina and I was checking them in so that they could come into the cantina. And we used a, what would be referred to as a data pad, a tablet. Yeah. And I was checking them in, and one of the stormtroopers came up to me, and they're like, what are you doing with that data pad? And I just kind of smarted off with the stormtrooper, told him it's none of the First Order's business. <laughs> and so he called another one over there and, you know, asked the same question. I went back to smarting off at him. Yeah. And the uh, the travelers were really interested. They they thought it was really funny. And eventually the stormtrooper would um he got the lieutenant to come over and the lieutenant, you know, went through the same spews as like what I was doing the data pad. Yeah. And I just kept consistent with it and eventually got to them like asking if my allegiance stood with the first order or not, and I said no. So he had me arrested by the stormtroopers <laughs> and they took me backstage <laughs> and eventually some other uh cast member had to check the people in, but that was that was really fun. That was probably one of the most fun experiences I had with the characters in the in the part.
0: Did you have a character?
1: No. No. And even if I did, I there would be no way for me to tell you in which I would not get in trouble.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay, that's respectable. So like what made you what made you want to take that opportunity to take that like semester off? to be able to go down to Florida and you know, you don't know anybody. You're kind of, you're what in, you're in uh, specialized housing, right?
1: Yeah. They, they actually like owned four apartment complex areas Pew. and all of the CPs were housed in the complexes right now. They're actually selling them one by one because they're building a mega complex. Oh wow. Where they actually went and asked the CPs, Hey, how could we do this better? And this place, I was at a briefing for it. I was supposed to be one of the first 800 to be placed oh. in this new housing until all this hit. Yeah. Um, the beds have, like, USB ports to charge your phone. Each room came with, like, a TV in the wall and, like, a balcony. And from the top floor, you could actually see Magic Kingdom and the fireworks. Every oh, my night. Like, gosh. Oh, man. COVID sucks. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so, like, that's what they did. It was specialized housing. They also had, like, specialized transportation to get us there. mm mm-hmm. um, At first, I wasn't sure if if I would do it whenever I applied. I thought, um, you know, I would just apply. I probably wouldn't get in, and then...
0: What happens happens. Yeah,
1: what happens happens. Yeah. Uh, I never got to go to disney growing up except for like once mm-hmm. and whenever i did go is i think it was my senior year maybe my junior year i think it was my junior year and when i went it like it blew my mind like i was mm. i went with one of my older sisters my two younger sisters and my older sister i don't think she expected me to have the reaction of like a Oh, five a five-year-old like enjoying the parks. I think she expected that for my two younger sisters, mm-hmm. but it was like roles reversed. I my mind was just blown. Like every I wanted to do everything, and it just felt like somewhere that I belonged, somewhere that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So, and I asked one of the one of the employees had like a university on their name tag, and I asked them about it. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's part of this program where you can come and work for the parks. And I was like, Oh, that's something I'm interested in. And I just started looking into it. And first semester I applied. And then I got an email saying that they wanted to do the web based interview, which is like the second level. And I was okay. like, Oh well, alrighty then. I yeah. got to the second level. And like it's it's got a very, very, very low acceptance rate. So I didn't think it would get much farther than that it right. was like oh the web-based interview but then i finished the web-based interview and it actually told me right then and there it's like you've got a phone-based interview and i was like whoa yeah. how do i even prepare to that like what what yeah so then for like the next two weeks i like wrote out all these different questions that i thought they would ask me and i wrote the answers not like five pages front oh back. my gosh and i went to the humanities building. -hmm. Whenever the phone call is supposed to happen at one of those big tables, and I laid all the papers out in front of me, (laughs) and I was like, "All right, this lady's going to call me, and I'm I'm gonna be prepared." And I was chill throughout the whole thing, and we just me and the lady just kind of had a conversation, and I I felt very confident about it all. At the end, I was just kind of like, "This is probably a gutsy move because I don't even know if I'm accepted, but I just like, is there any way?" that you can put on my file to put me in the star wars galaxy's edge area mm-hmm. and galaxy's edge wasn't even open yet wait really yeah it opened in all well maybe it was it'd been open for like a month so they hadn't even had cps in there yet okay and i asked her if there was any way she could do that and she was like i'll just put a side note of it and then whenever i got my information in december on where i was placed it said that and i was like oh interview lady came through." <laughs> Um, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. And I kind of made like a mental decision to myself that first semester, if I got accepted there, that it was just something I needed to do. Yeah. Like something that I should, I should for sure act on and not let pass by. Yeah. I shouldn't let it pass by. And so I did. And then I went (laughs) and the short time I was there was some of the best time I've ever had in my life and mm. nothing that I think I'll be able to replace.
0: Really? What was, what was so, what was so fulfilling about it?
1: Well, I mean, it was not just like the fact that I was down there to make magic with people, mm-hmm. like to make magic for people and to help them get an experience that I missed out on, like something that I wasn't able to do growing up. Right. Right. Um, and, and, giving other people that childhood memory kind of gave me the childhood I felt I missed out on. And it wasn't just doing things for the guest, but it was also the people I worked with. Like the people you work with down there usually have a very similar mindset and wanting to make magic for people in their lives. Mm. And so it was just like, no matter where you went, people were always... They were always with you. I don't really know how to explain it. They were always excited and they Mm. were, it was like their role in the parks was their role in everyday life. Mm. Like they were exhilarating, I guess. (laughs) I don't really know how to explain it. I mean, there's this one time I was with my friend Laura Mm -hmm. and we had gone to this place. In one of the backstage areas, and I bought like this X Wing fighter. And at first, I was thinking, Oh, this is a cool X Wing fighter. I'm gonna keep this and put it on my shelf. But I'd given one of my other friends a Chewbacca that I may or may not have taken from one of the parks accidentally.
0: So, wait, hold on. You can say that and not get in trouble, but there's a number of things you can't say and you'll get sued.
1: Yeah, oh, there's a there's like a book upstairs, oh. and my my advisor was tol- talking to me about like ways that I can prove that I did the like that I did a lot of things for the company in order to get credit for my intro to business class. Okay, and she was like, "Is there any way you can like send pictures of stuff that you got?" And I was like, "Man, if I sent you a picture, we'd both be going down." <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
0: so sorry, sorry. Continue with the.
1: You're good. Uh, so I. So I bought this X-wing fighter, and I was just—I opened it in the car because I was too excited. I was like, "I'm just gonna open this right now." Yeah. And we we're driving back to the apartment complex, and I just kind of rolled down the window and started flying it out the window. And then Laura was like, "Wait, wait, wait, no!" And she opened the sunroof and started <laughs> playing the Imperial March as loud as she could. And so I would put the <laughs> X-wing fighter through the sunroof, and it. It was so awesome looking. We passed the school bus and I was like, I wonder what's going through those kids' heads right now. Yeah, And like, it was just moments like those where if you had a really cool idea or thing, the people around you very easily added on to that. And it was like Mm. all the friendships were like that. All the relationships you had down there were exactly like that there were all moments like those constantly back to back and that's just something that brought a lot of happiness to me like there was no way to not be happy yeah in that whole experience yeah
0: that's so cool because it's like everybody's on the same page with that they're like you know we don't we don't one we don't have to be here giving up our time to at disney but two like quite literally we got chosen Mm -hmm. and everybody's trying to make the most of that situation. Everybody's trying to make the most out of that opportunity. I think like at least personally, if I was in that sometimes I'm just like, Oh, this feels so fake. Like I went to Disney. What's funny is I think I would enjoy, I would enjoy Disney world now more than I did when I was 16. Because I was, like, this negative 16-year-old where I was just like, what's the point? Like, why am I here? I, 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 like, the childhood magic is gone, blah, blah, blah. Not that it wasn't fun, but it just kind of has this different tone to it. But to be able to experience that as, like, not just older, but, like, as an actual adult, a legal adult, I guess. Mm -hmm. With a bunch of other legal adults having the same amount of positivity, having the same amount of enthusiasm. Like, that's just so cool to me.
1: Yeah, it's... It's interesting. We would often get um, groups, where it was just like teenage groups that would come uh, through the park, and mm-hmm. so the terminology and different in Disney is a little different. Whenever I say "role," that's basically a position that I was in, like when you're a cashier or something. Mm-hmm. So, and when I say "travelers," that those are just the people that came into Galaxy's Edge, um. because we Galaxy's Edge is one of the biggest themed areas in the park. Okay. So if I slip up and say travelers or anything like that, it's just because I'm so That's the used to it. Yeah, just I'm so used to it. So whenever we had travelers come through that were older and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you would think that it, the cast members would pay less attention to them or that it would be harder to get them to, to connect. Yeah. yeah. But surprisingly, it felt the same. It was like no matter who the guest was Hmm. no matter what they were doing we were always able to we we always wanted to give them the same exact magic we gave the last person yeah Uh i mean like even like it's no matter how late it was how early it was i remember this one time i was with these two parents and these two kids after closing like the park had closed and i was walking them out And the kids were asking me questions about, like, my backstory. Mm -hmm. Because we had our own individual backstory as to who we were on the planet of Batuu. Yeah. But the parents were also asking the questions. And it was like, every time you answered a question, the parents would be just as excited as the kids as to what...
0: What you guys are doing. Yeah,
1: what we were doing and, like, what I would say. Mm -hmm. And so it just... As... I don't know how to explain it, but every guest was viewed the same, someone yeah. that we want to make magic for, even if that's a person that doesn't necessarily, like in, in your case, like if you went, I'm pretty sure there were instances, if you think back on it now, where the cast probably treated you the same as every other guest in the park. Mm. It's hard to explain, but it's best I could.
0: No, that definitely makes sense. So you kind of touched on this earlier, but what did you mean by kind of using this opportunity as a chance to have the magic in your childhood that you didn't have growing up?
1: Well, it's hard to think of whenever my childhood really stopped being a childhood. Um, Sometimes it could be... Put in the question as if I really got a childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there are moments where I, I was a kid for sure. I mean, I remember playing with a Batmobile in a big ter- dirt pile outside and rolling that down a hill and stuff. And I got little things like that. But you know, when I was four, my dad passed away, and in the years growing before that, my mom was becoming more uh, a bigger alcoholic. I don't know. How to explain it, but she's mm-hmm. becoming more and more based around alcohol than other things in life. And then after my dad passed away, she kind of used that as an excuse to get worse. Mm-hmm. Like she was just like, "Well, now I have this reason for my alcoholness, yeah. alcoholic <laughs> alcoholism." That's it. There you go. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna use that as a reason to continue doing it. And um with my dad's social security benefits, child support, all that stuff, she was able to do that and not have a job. I mean I've I've been alive twenty years and my mom has never had a job the entire twenty years. Wow. Ever. Because she lives off the government in my dad's death, honestly. She's mm-hmm. lived off my dad's death for sixteen years. Um So I guess you could say it started there, whenever my dad passed away, because he did everything in the house. He took care of us in every way, Mm -hmm. got us ready for school and stuff. Um, After that, we started moving around a lot, because my mom, of course, would get backed up on rent, because she would spend the rent money on alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so we moved from Indiana to Memphis, to Hernando, to uh, Cordova, then to Horn Lake, then back into the heart of Memphis, then... Most recently, all will branch. I think last time I counted, I was in seven different school districts gl- growing up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then uh, whenever I was 12, when we moved back into the heart of Memphis after Horn Lake, we lived with my grandma for a while. And um, that was nice. We actually got to relax. We got to be kids for a little while. And then my mom, you know like the way she is she's like nope we gotta move and mm. in a lot of ways i view that as her not wanting us to have anything good mm. because it's like why can't you just leave we're mm. fine like why? Uh. like you see a lot of movies where it's like oh the mom's leaving the kid's sad well in this instance i think it would have been better if she mm. had just moved out and left us there because she wasn't doing anything for us right everything was based around my my grandma and my older sister becca Mm -hmm. they did a lot for us they did all the mom things that are supposed to be done whenever we moved out there was a big dispute over that becca stayed with grandma and rachel stayed with grandma because there is no way mom was going to convince an 18 and 16 year old to leave that house during the middle of their yeah. high school careers. Yeah. Shannon went on to live with my other grandparents. I I don't even know how that happened. But then it was left with just me, Lily and Lena with our mom in the apartment in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happened, I think that's when it was just finally a hard cut line. You have to mature now. Mm. Because there is no one in this household that is going to take care of you and the twins unless someone steps up and that person had to be me. Mm -hmm. And so I think for a bit, I didn't understand that. Like I was still going through that process. And then um, the stuff in Le happens, whole heart condition stuff. Mm. And after that, whenever I was about 13, early 14 year, whatever is whenever it just kind of, hardcore set in i need to start doing more because mom's never going to do anything it's just not going to be yeah you can't rely yeah she's not reliable at all so got a job at 15 like as mm. soon as i turned 15 i went to start working at spin street guaranteed i loved the place i worked at yeah. my first job is it rivals that of disney it was so really? so cool it was a record store, right? Um, yeah, it was a record store. We sold movies and CDs and vinyl and all that stuff. And I mean, the people I worked with were amazing. Yeah, they were amazing. But so I had to start doing that. Um, me and my little sisters would uh, take my mom's credit card and walk up to this <laughs> local <laughs> gas not gas station convenience store right to get food and stuff. And that's where my love for comics kind of grew more. Mm. There was a cashier up there named Jason, and he always had a sack of comic books sitting there that he was reading during the shift. And Aww. we'd kind of just talk about them, and he'd hand me one and be like, here, you might enjoy this. And I'd read it, and I'd come back a couple of days later, and I'd be like, this was really good, and we'd talk a little more. And then he'd hand me that one and be like, oh, you can have this, and here, read this one. And I was like, okay. And over time, it just my comic collection grew my knowledge of comics grew and it was just like a little thing like jason mixed with my boss at spin street matt who was a a really good mentor in a lot of ways and i don't think he realized that like he helped me with a lot of stuff he he could see where my mom was treating us wrong and he was an easy person to talk to about that Hmm. so Jason mixed with my boss at spin street, they were like two people through those years that really helped me a lot. It was like, I didn't get to have a, a childhood, but I had someone to talk to about things with comics with, and I had someone to look up to. Yeah. If that makes sense. And those helped me get through that, and I continued on. During this, though, my mom—I guess she started gaining a new view on me. Mm. Um, whenever I got a job, I started becoming more of like an ATM to her. Oh, like she would, she would ask me for money sometimes, and she would even mix it up in the like, in the lies. And I was, I was very good at calling her out on it. Right. And she would be like, "Oh, I need twenty dollars for gas." And I remember this one time specifically where she was like, "I need twenty dollars in gas." And I was like, "Okay, pull up to the gas station, and I'll, you know, put my card and give you twenty dollars." And she's like, "Do you have any cash you can give me so I can just do it later?" And I was like, "No," because mm. I know that you're going to buy alcohol, and I'm not going to give that to you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "No, I'm just going to do five dollars in alcohol and fifteen in gas." And I was like, "No, it's the other way around. I'm not an idiot." I was not born yesterday hmm. and eventually it went on for a bit. And I was like, if you pull up to the gas station, I will put, I will fill up the tank. But no, I'm not giving you gas money. I will go with you to get gas. And the argument went back and forth. She ended up not even stopping to get gas. Hmm. Instead she had like started this new thing where every time I said no to her or got in the argument with her, It was a uh, character, not development, but destroying piece for her to use to the rest of the family. So she would go and call my grandmother, my grandfather, my sisters, and be like, Jack is so selfish. He wouldn't give me $20 for gas. Fuck you mean I wouldn't give you $20 for gas. I wouldn't (laughs) give you $20 for alcohol. You're going to tell the story. Tell the whole story. Right. And eventually, whenever we wanted to move from... uh, From the apartment? Actually, we didn't want to. Mom wanted to. You want to talk about selfish? Yeah. I was in the middle of my junior year. The twins in the middle of their sophomore year. You guys are established. We're established again. And you want to move to Olive Branch. What the fuck you mean? We're selfish. Mm -hmm. This is all you. This is all you. And then we were upset about that. And so we were like, okay, you want to move, we'll move. But we're going to do it on our terms. We're going to do it when we see fit. We knew when we needed to leave, we were just like, we're going to hang out with our friends. Mm-hmm. We're going to enjoy the time we have down the road from our friends. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to help Pat. Then my mom has this fake panic attack thing mm. and goes to my grandparents' house and like you know, scratching at the couch and breathing heavily and all that. And, you know, we get a call from my grandparents and they're like, your mom's having a panic attack. You know, you're staying here for the night. And we're like, oh boy, another one of mom's episodes. And when I say panic attack, you know, I know a lot of people have panic attacks that are serious and they're they're very hard to get through. Mm -hmm. Um, When I mention that, disassociate my mom's panic attacks with what a panic... A real, like serious problem. This is an episode for my mom. This Mm. is a, hey, look at me. For my yeah. mom and I, even looked into it. and the real panic attacks she have, are from her addiction because her body has replaced <sighs> alcohol as water in her mind. Really? So whenever she, whenever she goes without alcohol for too long,
0: it's like a withdrawal.
1: It's like a withdrawal because it's like, oh, we don't have water, and her body goes into this panic oh mode. Oh my gosh! And that's what happens. So she can even self induce these by not drinking for a couple of days. And I I wonder if that's what she did to make it seem more realistic to my grandparents. I have not thought about that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she knows that she can self-induce these panic attacks. But anyway, so we we get to my grandparents. I, I'm the first to get there. And Lloyd and Lena are later. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on the couch talking to mom. And she's like, yeah, it's just nobody would help me move and yada, yada. And I started going into started freaking out and stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she started going on and on about us not helping her or anything. And my grandfather was sitting there. And I respect my grandparents completely. Right. But my grandfather said something to me. He's like, you need to respect your mother. And I looked at him in the eyes and I said, she is lying to you. And I will not admit to anything to you or to her. I don't care what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I respect you. I love you, Papa, but no, I will not apologize for something I did not do, not to you, not to her, not to grandmother. Mm-hmm. And you can look at me and say, I'm whatever you want. You can call me whatever names you want to call me. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to admit to being this monster she says I am when mm-hmm. I know I'm not. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me like I was crazy and stuff. And I was just... It was in that moment that I realized it was a me versus my family thing. Mm-hmm. She had already shaped this opinion of me and everyone that was supposed to love me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, this battle is lost. I'm I'm fighting a battle that I have already lost. Yeah. They already see me as this monstrous being. So I just kind of, I was like, I'll sit here and listen. Mm. and i did that i just sat here i didn't say a word and they were like you should apologize and i I didn't even say anything to them anymore i was just like okay okay yeah okay and eventually i had to go with my grandmother to get my sisters and my grandmother is one of those sweet sweet ladies best cookies in the world Mm. (laughs) grandmother on my mom's side let's just yeah there's a grandmother on my mom's side grandmother on my dad's side there's a differentiation starts difference yeah mom's side is who i'm talking about now dad's side is the one we lived with before we went back to memphis yeah so i start talking to my grandmother and my grandmother just gets this deep enraged voice and starts going off on me on my way to pick up the sisters and i just kind of sat there i had never heard my grandmother like that right I was like, that's how bad my mom has shaped my image to them. That she took the sweet grandmother that I love and I could sit there and listen to her... Tear you apart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. Wow. Like, And it's... My grandparents aren't bad people. Mm -hmm. It's just my mom
0: shifted everything.
1: Has shifted how I'm seen by everyone. Yeah. Because my mom calls and talks to my grandmother every day and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just eventually gave up. I stopped talking to my mom when I was like 16 because the arguments were just getting too bad. Um I mean, there was a time where I told her she didn't want to want me to see my dad's brother anymore. She didn't want me to see my uncle anymore. Yeah, because she wanted me to hang out with her boyfriend uh, oh. more often, like Dana father son relationship or whatever. Right. And there, I remember one day I walked into the living room and I was like, "No, I will not do a damn thing with Dino." Until I can see Uncle Charlie again. Mm. And she told Dino, and I think this was like the one of the only times that he talk, took off work to do anything with me. He came into the living room, threw my laptop at the wall, and then started hitting me. Oh my Oh my gosh. So I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of sat there because what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Um, Keep in mind, CPS has been called multiple times. So, yeah. But CPS does nothing. They That is a lost cause organization that just does not work. Yeah. If social media Mm. wants to get in a conversation about one thing that needs to be revamped, it's Child Protective Services because it fucking sucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As he spills his Coca-Cola over himself.
1: (laughs) I completely missed my mouth for a second. I was like... (laughs)
0: You were at such a good end point, too, and it sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I felt it touch my lips, and I was like, oh, it's not touching my tongue. It's touching my chin. <laughs> Something's
0: wrong here. Uh, so, has there... Has the... Have you, like... like you've mentioned a couple... Of, you have ten sisters, right?
1: Oh, yep.
0: How many... You have what seven, eight older
1: than you? Eight older, two younger.
0: But none of them are aware of
1: your mom's alcoholism. Your 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 grandparents aren't aware of it. I I found out not long ago that it actually seems that my grandfather is aware of it. Okay. Um, I think Lena told me Lena's. Okay, the eight older are Olivia, Candice, Alexis, Alicia, Kylan, Becca, Rachel, Shannon. Okay. Now that's a lot of names to remember, but all of those don't start with an L. So keep that in mind. <laughs> the two younger are Lily and Lena. Lily they and start Lina. with an L. Yeah. So that's how you can differentiate the younger and the older. Mm-hmm. So Lena told me not long ago that Papa actually told her once that they're aware of it, but they don't do anything until my mom asks for help. And. I see where he's coming from, that if you help someone that doesn't want to be helped, you're not going to ever amount to anything. Yeah, (laughs) but... But at the same time, when... How far do you let them get before you step in? Yeah. It's like, it's it's an interesting thing that I've thought about many, many times. Like, should they have stepped in and, like, took us in Mm. instead of leaving us there? Like... I understand you don't want to step in and help my mom, but
0: you're what you're hurting us. Like, yeah.
1: What, when do you step in and help us? Like we we aren't even old enough to ask for help. Right. loy and Lena, they weren't sure what was going on until until after the Labaner stuff, and mm-hmm. they realized how bad it was. I mean, I was supposed to die. I was in my bed for seven days. In a semi-comatose state, and my mom was going to do nothing. My doctor told me one more day, and I would have died that morning. Hmm. I was supposed to die the next morning, and my mom didn't do anything. The only reason I ended up at the hospital was because my grandmother came upstairs and told my mom, I'm calling an ambulance, yeah, whether you want me to or not. And my grandmother got me the treatment I needed. Right. And my mom had to continue taking care of me that night instead of Shannon or my grandmother. I just wanted to be here. Yeah. That's how bad this was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> CPS was called then too, but they didn't do shit. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait. So, so you've mentioned the Laboner thing twice, but kind of like, kind of explain that. You you talked about going to the hospital. having to be What what happened?
1: Well, so I was born with a heart condition. Mm-hmm. There was a heart murmur. When I was born. But, you know, since I've got the mother I've got, that was never checked up on any. Yeah. Uh, whenever I was eight or nine, when we moved in with my grandma, my grandma, I guess she'd remembered that I had a heart murmur. I don't remember what it was, but she told my mom to schedule me a doctor's appointment with a cardiologist. And since we now lived with my grandma, my she mom could get under yeah, her more. She, she yeah. had to do it. So they scheduled one and they found that I had a bicuspic aortic valve. Okay. And they're like, this needs to be checked up because it can cause another problem that could be very, very bad and require a surgery. And my mom was like, okay, let's ignore it for five more years. Mm. So five years later, and my school asked for a physical to be done to go into the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, okay, we can do that. But enter him into school first. And the school's like, okay, but we're going to be on top of you about getting that physical done because we require it in order for him to go to school here. Right. So she finally gets the physical thing, like appointment started and all that. And um, I go in, and my doctor's like, all right, well, uh, something's not right. His heart doesn't sound okay. I want you to see a cardiologist at Labonner. Le and Lebonners." the biggest children's hospital in Memphis, really nice. They do a lot of work for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so they send me there, and long story short, the cardiologist finds that that second condition that we were warned about when I was eight happened. So they do a surgery to fix that, and that surgery was real easy. It wasn't scary at all, didn't mind it. But three months later, I got a staph infection in where they they put like a metal stent in my heart to keep mm. it open. And I got a staph infection from who knows where. It just happened. Right. And it went straight to that stent and started attacking it.
2: Mm.
1: And then started attacking everything else. Well, since my body hadn't accepted that stent yet as part of my body. It made it so much worse. Because my immune system wasn't there to fight. Um, so it was like my doctors explained it to me like this imagine you're you have an army of a million people going to fight one guy but that one guy can multiply every time you try to fight him because he's it's just you can't fight on an object that your body doesn't yet have mm. i don't know to explain it better but basically my immune system went into fight staff kept multiplying because it could have as it could have as big of an army as it wanted to and so it wiped out my immune system hmm. i can imagine how bad it is whenever your own immune system loses a fight damn i think about that like i just visualized like, <laughs> that happening my immune system got its ass kicked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> whenever, you, whenever you said the uh, the army analogy, I thought of that one scene from Kung Fu Panda, from the first one. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever he's having the dr- anyways. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I think of I think of the End Game fight. It's like my immune system was Thanos with his army. They're ready to kick ass, and then the portals open up, and they're like, "Fuck." <laughs> 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 yeah. Then. Then stuff started getting bad, Mm -hmm. Uh, organs started failing, I entered that comatose state, like I said, and I was in that for, like I said, six, seven days before my grandma was like, Hey, I'm taking him. Yo, Cynthia, this boy needs to go to the hospital.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He should not be turning blue.
1: (laughs) I was actually seeing red. Really? So, have you ever seen Daredevil? Uh, Yeah. So, you know, whenever he actually reveals that he can see, it's just everything's got a red tint.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: how I see everything. Really? Because the infection was affecting my brain, everything had a red tint. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't even walk. I don't know why my mom thought I was okay. I couldn't get even out of bed. I I think we've established (laughs) your mom's not a good mother. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to go, I remember trying to go use the restroom at one point, and I was kind of stood up there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was, it was, I don't know how to explain. I was basically like a high person on steroids. Okay. And I was just kind of like swaying a bit. And I was like, That's the bathroom. Boom! Into the floor. I just oh. fell down. And it's kind of late there, and I was like, This seems like a good place to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no! <laughs> And I just peed. And there. You just I just, peed yourself? <laughs> yeah, I just peed on the floor. And I just kind of like, kind of like, that's warm, man. And oh, then I just no. kind of like, like you pushed myself back <laughs> I up. I thought it was and peaceful. Like, and then crawled up onto my bed. And I was like, oh, what a good bathroom break. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> and I remember whenever my grandma came in to call the ambulance. My sister Shannon was in the room with me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was standing there, and my speech had become slurred, so I couldn't talk all the way. But, like, I remember some of the things that I was trying to say. I was kind of looking at Shannon, looking at where she was standing, and I was trying so hard to be like, I peed there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I don't, what are you and saying? Didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> you're like, you're
0: standing on my piss. <laughs> I was
1: trying to warn her, but she your just socks kept, are wet now. <laughs> she kept standing there. I was like, it's okay, man my grandma had a Dr. Pepper. So I was just kind of like, just take this and just she, Shannon can do what she wants. Oh my gosh. And I remember like Shannon was trying to explain that they were calling an ambulance. She's like, we're calling an ambulance and Lily, Lena, Shannon, and my grandma all tell me about how confused I was because I kept saying, who's Andy? And why are you calling him? <laughs> <laughs> like that was the only thing they could understand was I was like, who is Andy? Yeah. Like, it's interesting. I was able to form a sentence asking about Andy, but I could <laughs> not <or> understand. It. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you get rushed to the hospital.
1: Yeah, and they, they thought I was dehydrated, but my sister's like, no, man, he's been drinking two liters of water every single day. Yeah. There's no way he's dehydrated. And uh, so they brought me... Some really good popsicles. Some of the best popsicles I've ever had. I don't know if it's because I was just out of it, or it was just they have some top-tier shit. But <laughs> Hey, man, if you ever go
0: to Lebonner, make sure you, you get, get the, the popsicles. popsicles.
1: But don't try the chicken. Their chicken's dry. They, they, they're perfect on their popsicles. But their chicken... The popsicles were immaculate. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I mean... I'm just I'm thinking about those now, man.
0: Do you think because you were out of it or do you think they were that good? Cause popsicles I don't like they're not a hard thing to get wrong, but I can't see them being like, Oh, these are some that's some gourmet stuff.
1: It was like the grapes. The Ooh. grape popsicle was like from Italy. Like a vineyard <laughs> had made that fucking popsicle. <laughs> it was
0: soaked in wine.
1: <laughs> they're like, we just dip it in yeah. and we wrap it. And then we're gonna have a man walk it from Italy to Lebanon and hand deliver it <laughs> to Jack Campbell. Yep, and it's just maybe I was out of it. You definitely were yeah, out of it. I, was, I, was, I, was out of, I mean, that grape tasted like immaculate. Like God created that. Yeah, grape. yeah, that's specific. Yeah. <laughs> he created that popsicle. He's like, this is for those sick kids. They get the <laughs> best stuff on earth. <laughs> Send them the good cushion. <laughs> <laughs> so besides the foxicles
0: and the chicken <laughs> you're at laboner yes. you're at laboner you're not dehydrated
1: so they're like okay we're going to keep him one night and then miss shannon miss shannon is a echocardiogram echocardiogram lady she does echoes on kids and stuff and they're like we're going to do an echo and see how the stent is doing She just happened to be the same lady who did the echo after my surgery a few months before. Mm -hmm. So she knows exactly what it's supposed to look like. Right, right. So she does the echo and she just kind of tells my doctor, yeah, no, man, you should keep him a little longer. Something don't look right here. Yeah. And so they kept me and a few days later they find out that I have no immune system. And they're like, okay, so we're going to put him in the ice. So they wrap me in this ice blanket that had like a cooler at the end. Okay. So it was an, a blanket made of ice, basically. There's Yeah. Like, you had the the cotton or whatever there, but inside the cotton was ice. Think of a heating blanket, but, but the opposite. opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you had like a, it was like a sleeping bag, basically. They slipped it on me, they zipped it up. And at the end, there was a cooler mm. inside. So there's no way that my body could heat it up and melt the ice. Fuck that blanket, fuck that cooler. Fuck <laughs> that cool person who I, like came up with that idea. I was hallucinating at the time. Mm-hmm. And whenever they put that on me, I thought I was in the Winter Hunger Games. And there was this little blonde boy who kept trying to kill me. I was like, nah, man. Nah. Built different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they put that on me to slow down my blood flow. Because okay. they they're like, immune system's losing the whatever it is is passing through the blood, and it's shutting down everything. Kidneys started failing. Mm-hmm. My skull had become inflamed. That's where the hallucinations were coming from. Mm. My legs were polka dotted. I looked like a Dalmatian. Really? Yeah, there were black dots forming <laughs> on my legs. You're too excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> so they put me on that, and they took like half a gallon of my blood. Like big fucking needle, man. That thing was big. <laughs> You know how, like, in cartoons, you have the, to get the a The comically shot. large yeah, syringe. Those things fucking exist. Really? Yeah, and they took that amount out. I forgot what, what amount it was. It was about this long, dude. Oh, my it was, gosh. It was girthy, too, and it sucked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've never heard the word girth <laughs> applied in to describe a, a needle.
1: Long, girthy, sucky needle. Stop.
0: Uh, There's a lot of red blood vessels. That's all I can say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, they
1: took like a bunch of my blood out. Okay. And they separated my white platelets and then added radioactive isotopes to it. Okay. And then shot it back into my body through an IV, not through another needle. It would have been another needle. I just would have given up. (laughs) (laughs) Let me die. But so they shot that back in and made my blood radioactive AE yeah I know man I didn't need <laughs> cool powers come nah. on super skinniness <laughs> and uh so then that happened and they they came to a conclusion one of seven things for what's going on here oh my gosh and one of two things caused one of these seven things and they had like five teams like they were like the disease team the bio team all kinds of different teams and people arguing over why i was dying and how to fix it <laughs> and you're just j chill and you're like hey it was like <laughs> i was living in a fucking episode of house dude yeah and they were just going back and forth casually and then they were finally like let's just all agree to take the stent out and see what happens okay and some they planned that surgery for like a tuesday and uh my surgeon comes in Sunday because mm-hmm. he's like, I just wanted to come in check on him. And he looks at me and he tells my mom, "I want him to go down to the ICU the day before the surgery instead of after the surgery. I just I would prefer him to go down there before. And before he goes down, I'm going to schedule an MRI, okay, so I can look at his heart and know exactly what we're going into. And <clears throat> we told the nurse that's what he said. And she was like, That's not normal, you know." Mm-hmm don't you know, send a patient to the ICU before the surgery. Right. And uh, later on, after everything happens and stuff, my doctor, would he, he told me, he said, uh, when he walked into that room and he looked at me, he said he didn't know why, but he knew I was going to be one of the kids he was going to lose. I was not going to survive it. Mm-hmm. And he said he wanted to try to stop that. And that's why... I,
0: he sent you down to the ICU.
1: Yeah. And... Um, <clears throat> The next day, we went down, and we did the MRI. And whenever I got into the MRI, one of the chief MRI guys of Labonner was back there doing it. Okay. And uh, as he was watching the scans come over, because it shows a picture each time it, goes, right. it does not right. loop, as he watched it, my aorta was growing inside. Of in my between chest. the yeah, in between the scans, right. and he was like. Okay, we need to stop this right now. Someone call his surgeon. We are leaving. We are taking this kid to an operating room right, right now. now. Wow. <clears throat> and so they got me out and there's no operating room available. So they were turning my ICU room that they had reserved for me into an emergency operating room. And they were telling my mom, they're like, okay, uh, you get out. We are turning this into the best makeshift surgery surgery room we can have. And they were reeling me in and they brought me in and then an operating room opened up and they're like, okay, let's just do that because that's better. So they moved me into the operating room and the surgery started and I've actually seen the video of it. And they told my mom that if my aorta were to burst before they got me on a heart bypass machine, then there's nothing they could do. Yeah. Because no one survives that. No Mm -hmm. one has survived that. And so, uh, they get me into the operating room, and they cut me open on my side, and they move my lung. And my lung was what was holding my aorta together. Really? So when they moved oh. it, it just dissolved. It just boom, and then dissolved into my chest. And I've seen the video of that it happens like that. I mean, I can they, they
0: shift it, and
1: I can't imagine what my surgeon was going through when he's like this thing burst we're kind of screwed and then he just pulls back and he's like fuck <laughs> 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 it's like if you're nervous for a test and you're like i'm gonna get an f and then your your teacher hands you the test and it already has an f on it and you're like, no he hands it to you but it's like
0: folded you know it's <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not it's not like here you go he's like you're gonna want to hide this yeah, thing here, man, here
1: you go, man. <laughs> yeah that's exactly how it was and <clears throat> a few years after, I go to this uh, heart camp every year, mm-hmm. and the first two years, it was to learn about my condition, but now it's to teach other kids about theirs. Mm. And uh, it's all Le Bonner based and they send like 50 kids and stuff like that, and it's completely staffed of doctors and nurses from Le Bonner. And a few years after my surgery, I was walking with one of the nurses up to the dining hall, and uh, <clears throat> we were just kind of talking, having a con- casual conversation. She's like, your name's Jack, right? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, we were just talking. She's like, so what's your heart condition? And I was like, well, it's a bit different than the others here. Yeah. And she's like, well, explain it to me. And I was like, well, I had co-arpertension of the aorta, but my heart kind of exploded before they fixed it. And she just stopped walking, and she looked at me. And I was like, is everything good? And she's like, I was in there. You're the toe boy. Because <laughs> I had <laughs> a, there was a condition with my toe where they think the staph infection came in from down there. Mm. And she was like, your heart exploded after they pulled back your lung. And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Is there a surgeon doctor not Craig? It's like, Yeah, that's him. And she's like, Oh my gosh. We thought you were dead. Mm. Dude, I'm just thinking about our reaction <laughs> and her reaction, uh-huh. goosebumps. Um, she told me that uh, literally everyone in that room stopped whenever he pulled back my lung and that happened. Mm-hmm. And that. To this day, whenever they're talking about Dr. Not Craig, they talk about that surgery. That's like
0: the story.
1: Yeah, they're like, he, everyone stopped, but when it came back, like some instinct pushed in him where he was like, not on my watch. Yeah. And he his two, he, his hands, he pulled, stretched my aorta together to try and like stop my death course i flatlined and all that stuff went down and mm-hmm. um so for about 15 minutes i was dead and then he was just kind of like Mm-mm. no <laughs> <N-uh>. <laughs> not today <laughs> and he sewed the graft that they were going to put in into my heart completely blinded because...
0: No camera or anything. Well,
1: there's no camera, and the blood coming out had filled my chest.
0: Oh, my god. The
1: whole side was filled. And... <clears throat> like, I, I've seen what it looked like. I have no idea how he did it. Mm. Like, this man... Wow. <laughs> wow. It was like... Well, I don't know what it was like, because I have no idea <laughs> how to explain that. And... <clears throat> so that happened and they told they told my mom that i was gone they like notified the family they were like they were to burst there was nothing we could do yeah and then about four hours later i was wheeled out of surgery <laughs> <laughs> and they're like wait wait a second yeah. I remember my mom was excited for about four hours and then i came oh, back and she's I- like fuck I- <laughs> that's horrible jack <laughs> It's like bitch, you thought you got me. <laughs> it's like the Undertaker
0: from WWE, where he like, Ugh. I can't believe I just made a WWE <laughs> reference.
1: So I'm, I'm ruled out, and they're like,
0: you're back with a vengeance.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> um. So I'm reeled out and they're like, he's going to be paralyzed and brain dead for the rest of his life because there's no blood flow. You know, my heart, my aorta pumps the blood to the rest of my body Mm -hmm. and I got none of that. And they're like, he's going to be paralyzed. They started talking about wheelchair options. Uh, My mom was going to have to move to the first floor of the apartment complex as opposed to the second because there's no ramp to the second and all that. So we're talking about all that. And one of the nurses kept coming in and asking me questions. It's just... Basic questions: Who are you? What's your name? Where are you? Right. And stuff like that. Because he's trying to test if I know anything, if I if my brain is functioning. And he would text my surgeon. My surgeon. Everyone who was in the surgery, got to go home after it, because, it was just that
0: intensive.
1: Yeah, and they they all went home and they drove home that night. And I've been told by nurses and stuff that they've never prayed so hard for a patient. Like it's just really? they're like. He died, but now his brain dead and paralyzed. Mm.
0: Like,
1: <clears throat> And uh, the nurse kept coming in every hour, and every hour he would text a group chat saying nothing. After four hours, he came in. And I, I vaguely remember this. He's like, Can you wiggle your toes? I was just kind of like, the Fucking me, wiggling my toes for so I started. <laughs> I thought
0: that's what, I thought you said that's what you said. <laughs> no. Can you imagine that no, though? I
1: just <laughs>
0: <laughs> this kid is brain dead and suddenly that's what he gets. <laughs> First thing I say
1: is Fuck you mean can I wiggle my toes? <laughs> he texts at a good spoke You don't want to know what he said, but he did. <laughs> uh, but I started wiggling my toes and my sister's told me that like the second my toe moved, like he was on his phone, he was like, "That his was just was moving, yeah. And when he started asking me questions, he's like, "What's your name?" And I was like, "Jack." And he's like, "Where are you?" And I was like, "Lebonner." And he's like, "Now I've been asking you these questions all day, so I'm going to try to ask one to throw you off." Who is Luke Skywalker's father? That's and what he asked he, you. He asked me. That oh my god. Cuz I had like a little Star Wars notebook beside my bed. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Who is Luke Skywalker's father?" And I was like, "Well, it's Darth Vader, but his real name's Anakin." Yeah. <laughs> and he texted all of my nurses and stuff. A couple of them actually drove back to the Really? to the hospital to see and there are like five people standing there watching me wiggle my fucking toes. <laughs> like do I it was... again. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then eventually I was walking around the ICU floor. Like <clears throat> they'd come in and walk around me. I remember Miss Anne. There's this team called a Child Life team, basically to help boost morale in child patients. Yeah. And Miss Anne was my Child Life specialist. I will forever remember Miss Anne. Mm -hmm. She would walk around with me on on the ICU floor. She brought a golden retriever up to see me. Uh Um, She was the reason I got to play Xbox on a movie screen, which is cool. (laughs) Uh, Whenever I got the staples taken out from my surgery... Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, you know, a mother being there or a sister being there. You wanted miss her Anne, there. Miss Anne was sitting there beside me, and she just kind of held my hand as they pulled out the staples and Aww. stuff. I miss Miss Anne. I've, I've run into her a couple of times. Really? Yeah. She has a son and a daughter. She's really nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, A lot of the people that were my doctors and nurses during this time, I actually still know. Yeah. Like, Miss Shannon... Dr. Mm. Not Craig, I made him cry. Really? I sent him a letter whenever I graduated, thanking him for what he'd done and just told him like what I got to experience because of him. Like, yeah. I became an Eagle Scout. I did ROTC. <clears throat> I was like, man, I went through my first heartbreak. And although that sucks, it's something I got to go through. It's mm. something that I got to experience as opposed to never getting to experience any of this. Mm. I told him I was like I got to go to Disney World, man. Yeah. And I just wrote this long article. I mean, this long letter to him, and sent a couple of pictures of him. I sent one when I was I was in the hospital, and then I sent one of my senior photos. And I said, the second photo is only because of you. Mm. And as opposed to him reading it on his own. Le Bonner filmed him reading it for the first time. And it's used for a commercial. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And he, like, you can hear where they had to cut part of it because he started crying. Like, every time I listen to it, it almost makes me cry knowing he started choking up whenever reading. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, so yeah, I'm not brain (laughs) dead. I'm not paralyzed. I guess that was another one where I was like, haha thought <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: so so in that 15 minutes like do you do you remember anything from that like you remember going in for the MRI? you remember going into surgery but was there anything like in the middle or after like waking up any trying to i guess regain function
1: yeah um <clears throat> whenever whenever i went into the surgery like I remember being wheeled, like flashes of being wheeled in, because I was. Whenever my order decided to start expanding, mm-hmm. that was whenever the staff was like, "Here we go!" Fa- yeah, I was like, "We've been fighting this war <laughs> like pansies <laughs> the whole time. Let's just start fighting everything at once instead <sighs> of one at a time." Yeah. So then my kidneys were like, "We're done." Yeah, time to head out. <laughs> we're done. One of my lungs is like. I'm done too. Pancreas, mm. thyroid. they're like, actually, they left the fight a long time before that. but yeah, my brain was also like, we'll fight, but also we're done. Mm. So I only remember like flashes of things around mm-hmm. that time. like I can I can picture whenever I was going into the ICU and I was like, And then I can picture whenever I was in the MRI. And then I remember whenever I first got reeled into the real operating room.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So then like whenever the 15 minutes thing happened, I remember during my surgery, there's a point where I saw the brightest light I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I've not bright in like a blinding way, but like, Whenever you look at a light, you know how you see like the whiteness of it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like that, but on a scale that you can't describe. Okay. The only way to describe it is by saying that it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling I was there, but at the same time, like, couldn't feel my feet touching the floor. It's like, I have a physical body. I know I'm like grounded, Yeah. but I don't feel it. And then I know that. I never turned around, but when the light hit about here, just in my peripheral vision, I knew the light stopped at me. Mm. Like the, the ray stopped at me and behind me was nothing but absolute darkness. Mm. I, it just, there was nothing you had to see to know it was there. Yeah. And it just felt cold. And I remember there was a silhouette of someone standing in the light facing me. And I actually used to think that it was two lights because of the silhouette with okay. the way the light divided on this person. But <clears throat> now I think it's actually one light and because of the silhouette, it looked like two. And I don't know who that was. However it was, they didn't have hair because I don't remember like, you know, hair is very distinct. Yeah, I know. Especially like, from it, a silhouette. It wasn't there. So, uh, there are many things I've thought about, like who it could have been, I mean, maybe Jesus went bold after he died. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've thought maybe Peter, because mm. there's no real, like, description as to if Peter's bald or not, but...
0: There was one prophet where, like, oh, I think it was a prophet, it might have been, like, Eli or Elijah or whatever, where these kids, like, made fun of him, essentially, for being bald, and then he's like, okay, God, send a bear to kill no. these children, and he does? Like, <laughs> oh it's, it's, gosh. it's it's kind of problematic, <laughs> but anyways...
1: <laughs> but my dad was bald. Mm. so there's a lot there's been a lot of questions in my head as to who was there but I've just kind of had to let it settle up. it's whoever was supposed to be there mm. because there is no it's just peaceful it's just nice there is nothing you know sometimes you can be happy but you know that there's some other emotion going on low key yeah none of that was there there's none of that low key stuff none of that mm. deep down inside happiness
0: tinged with just like yeah sadness sometimes but that wasn't there
1: yeah it wasn't there and during this time i was actually becoming agnostic atheist type of thing i was just kind of not necessarily going against my beliefs but just falling out of it just yeah never acting on it not sure what i believe so just not even thinking on it anymore just dropping the whole thing entirely and just doing me yeah, and so whenever I came out of my surgery, my first thing was operating lights. That's what it was. Yeah, and so I, I my surgeon came in one day and he was like, "I so doing stuff," and I was like, "So did I wake up during my surgery?" And he was like, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> I was freaked out enough you'd have fucking woken up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> And I was like, but I remember seeing these bright lights, and there was a man standing there, and he was like, "Even if you did wake up, that sure as hell wouldn't have happened." Mm. I was like, "What do you mean?" And he was like, "We went in through your side. Right? You were laying on your side. If you would have woken up, you would have saw on a wall.
0: Yeah, somebody's belly button. Yeah."
1: And I was like, "Uh
0: oh." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and from that point forward, like, it's like. The flip of a switch changed everything.
2: Mm.
1: Like I was someone who got in a lot, a lot of trouble at school. Um, that changed. Of course, I was slow. I did still do a couple of things where I was just like, "Come on, that was cool." I mean, it just had to happen. Yeah. Except for the laser pointer. I, I took a laser pointer to school that was in the shape of a gun. Oh my gosh! And I was pointing it around the room. In my defense, it was bright blue and said Power Rangers on the side. So, <laughs> my, I remember going into the office for that. My principal was like, Jack, why did you bring a toy gun to school? And I was like, it actually says on my record, word for word, my reply. I thought it'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> I whenever they gave me like my school record. When I graduated, mm-hmm. that was what I went back and looked for. It. I was like, I gotta find that. Yeah. And it was there. Ugh, immaculate. I, was like, oh, I should frame that. You should. That's <laughs> actually like super legendary. <laughs> um see so yeah, I still did minor things like that. okay, that one wasn't minor, but I still did some <laughs> stupid stuff, but I grew out of it. Eventually I, I changed to hung out with his friends because I had a big following in middle school. A lot of people I talked to because of the stupid things I did. Like people were like people like that. Yeah, they're like, This man. Yeah. I sold gum. Like yeah. a rug. Yeah. Like half a pack for a dollar, full pack for two dollars. I was scamming these kids. <laughs> Jack's on his grind. There is one kid. I remember I convinced him to give me twenty dollars oh. for four Sticks of gum. Sticks? Not even pets. That's that's five bucks a stick. Exactly. Uh,
0: Kids have no concept
1: of money. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, So yeah, I I knew a lot of people. And then whenever I was in the hospital, not a single one came to see me. Mm. How old were you, by the way? I was 13. Okay. And I guess that kind of gave me the realization of... These people aren't really my friends. They're just my friends because of what I do. Yeah. Because of how, whenever they joke about, "Hey, you should do this," I'm just kind of like, "Okay, all right, let's go." Yeah. I spent the time I brought matches on the bus and started lighting them. Oh my gosh. Uh, I was gonna I got a kid arrested. I broke a smart board.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! How'd you how'd you get a kid arrested? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. So I started, my sister Kylan was a big couponer. Okay. And she bought like 500 boxes of the 24 count of Crayola crowns. Okay. And <clears throat> so we didn't need all of those because we were in middle school. So I started taking them to school. And if you ask anyone from White Station of my graduating class, they will tell you about the crown war. Oh. <sighs> Basically, I would break a crown into two or three pieces, and I'd throw it at someone, right? Mm-hmm. And then they'd throw it back. And I started a market for crowns, because we were just throw crowns when the teacher wasn't looking. Yeah. A dollar a box. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you made your own supply and a demand. Yeah.
1: And uh, I remember this one time, I was sitting by Big Benny, and we uh, were on the bus, and Big Benny, he was kind of gutsy with me, but he got caught for everything he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some leftover supply from the day, and um, he was sitting beside me, and I was like, Big Benny, you want to have a good day? He's like, yeah. I was like, I will give you a whole box for free. He had really big hands, real like football player hands. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'll give you a whole box for free if you can carry all the crowns broken into pieces of three in your hand and throw them on the bus. Like, And we were sitting in the second to the last seat.
0: Because <clears throat> you were one of the cool kids at the oh, back yeah. of the bus.
1: First day of sixth grade. It was a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade school. First day. I was like, I ain't sitting with these assholes up front. <laughs> I went straight to the back and sat with the eighth graders. And Jasmine was kind of like the lead back there. And she's like, what are you doing back here? And I was like, I'm fucking sitting here. What are you doing? <laughs> and she was like, okay, you stay. So we ended up becoming good friends. And I became friends with everyone back there. Yeah. And um, so I'm sitting back there with Benny. And he's like, all right, bet. So I broke all the pieces into three or four. Mm-hmm. And I put them in his hands. And we could fit more. Three boxes later. Oh, my gosh. He's got his hands completely full, and I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go!" I'm I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And the bus comes up to a red light, and whenever the like it stops, you know, whenever you stop, it like kind of goes forward and then backward. Yeah, yeah. The second it did that go forward motion, he went,
0: "Whoosh!" Uh
1: huh. Wow, it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember just hearing the uproar. He reached the front of the bus. Like, he really? hit the bus driver. <clears throat> and I just remember people going, What the fuck? <laughs> it's raining crowns. <laughs> we're like, there were people like hollering. There were people excited. There were people like, What the fuck was even that? Yeah. And oh, it was great. The bus driver pulled over and called the cops. What? Yeah. And she was like, Who done that? And I was like, "Oh shit, money, Benny, we've been caught." And he's like, "It's all good. I've been arrested before." And what, he confessed if, up? I,
0: like, as a, like a seventh grader?
1: Yeah, he confessed up, and they took him home in a cop car that day. I don't know what happened. He was on the bus a week later. Yeah. But, yep. Good times. Good times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Legend.
1: I could go on for a long time on things I did in middle school. <laughs>
0: I feel like you're one of the few people I know that has a good middle school experience. I, I I hated middle school. Middle school was probably the one of the worst points of
1: my life. Well, I mean, I died in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to hear your whining, Noah. I mean, I it's just because. I guess my home life sucked so bad. Like, I had to take care of my sisters. I didn't really have time to have fun. Yeah. So whenever people said, hey, this would be cool, I was like, all right, let's see if it actually would be cool. Yeah. And I did it. And I started the Hornet War, too. A hornet? Like, with bugs? Like No, you know the, uh, whenever you, like, roll a piece of paper super, super tight and you shoot it with a rubber band?
0: No. I'm I mean, not familiar.
1: really did have a sucky middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: homeschooled. <laughs> I was
1: so basically you take a piece of paper about this long and you okay. roll it up as tight as you can get it and then you take a rubber band between your two fingers and you shoot it with one of the with one of the bands Yeah, and it hurts like a bitch <laughs> I mean if you get the paper just right you leave a mark Really? And so I had a bunch of rubber bands oh my gosh. so I started doing that and selling rubber bands too there was this one time this one teacher Like, she got so fed up with sweeping up paper. Whenever we walked in the door, we actually had to put all of our rubber bands in a stack on a desk. Really? And there was one day, that stack was this high. From where not only I had been buying them, but other people. I had started the market in the school. This high. And she was like, why do y'all even have this? She went on like a 15-minute lecture (laughs) on like, why this is an issue. (laughs) And I was like. You keep complaining, lady. I'm proud. <laughs> I'm proud. Dude, I
0: remember in when I was in middle school, that was like when silly bands were the thing. Mm-hmm. And that had its own economy of like people trying to sell them and stuff. There was this one kid who was strapped up. He came to church strapped up one day and he lost circulation in his arms like, his, like, he couldn't move his hands, and his arms, like, went white and stuff, so the leaders had to come, and they pulled out scissors. This kid started losing it, because he's like, no, don't cut the silly hands off, and they're just, like, snipping them. This kid was crying, because he was just so, so upset, because he viewed that as, like, his status, you know?
1: Yeah, that that happened in my middle school, too. Um, that's kind of where I got the basis of the idea of my... Head. Yeah. My rubber bands. I was
0: like, <laughs> My rubber band empire.
1: People were like, they're already buying them in silly band form. I just need to make the normal form worth something. Yeah, so give like, them a reason. They like the crown war. So how about hornets? But with everybody. <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> that was interesting. The whole hornet thing. The Really, if my sister ever bought anything with coupons and gave it to us in bulk
0: that's what you made the economy
1: yeah I was like okay I just need to adapt yeah and then after like the whole heart surgery thing I was like time to close up shop (laughs) rethink some things I'm
0: retired so (laughs) as we wrap this thing up is there anything you want to plug anybody you want to shout out anybody this is your time to be a Grammy nominated this is your Oscar speech
1: Oscar speech Um. Shout out to Batman. Okay, of course, best created character ever.
0: Okay, which version?
1: Uh, ooh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um. Also, which Robin? That's very important. Jason Todd for the Robin because he dies. Um, Relatable. Batman, probably Christian Bell, because those are the ones that I grew up watching. Okay. So, um, whoever created Dr. Pepper.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, my roommate, Luke. Hey, Luke, do you want to say something? He's only saying that because I'm in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Israel. is not The person, here. not the country
0: oh oh (laughs) what are your thoughts on Palestine
1: (laughs) um that's difficult I don't know if it's difficult because there are people that I'm thinking of and I'm like do I shout them out or if it's difficult because shout out to
0: my ex for breaking my heart you can say that oh shit (laughs) (laughs) shout out to my ex for being the second thing to break my heart
1: (laughs) <sighs> um who you, okay what do you think who should I shout out Luke Sarah and Laura ooh Sarah and Laura they Sarah is an Australian girl who we hung out a lot and it was really fun. Laura is from Columbia and they're just like oh in Eden we all just kind of hung out a yeah. lot and often and it was really fun. And they they're like the heart of the magic I felt Aww. in Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, you know, I expected it to be, uh, well, I don't really know what I expected it to be, but it fulfilled those, but they made it something more beyond Yeah. what the fulfillment was. So definitely a shout out to them. They are people that I won't forget. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, Luke and Israel. And, and, and noah but, <laughs> <laughs> but like of course i'll remember you guys because i'm spending four years with you right but there are people that in just two months time
0: made that much of an impact
1: yeah they you know? made enough of an impact to to fulfill giving me a childhood in which mm. i didn't have
0: well jack thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you for Sharing your stories and thoughts. And I know you have more stories that you could go on about. But yeah, thank you so much.
1: It's a pleasure being here.